What is up? And welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing. We are presented, of course, by SodaSoccer.com. Check us out if you haven't. SodaSoccer.com is the website. Check us out on Patreon. Patreon.com slash SodaSoccer. One of the esteemed writers and content contributors for SodaSoccer.com is Dominic Jose Bizzonio. He's also my co-host. Dom, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jeremy. We're, uh, as we'll talk about, I'm sure, through the night, we're doing this in the midst of of the most CONCACAF of CONCACAFing. There's uh, so many games that are going to affect North American soccer going on right now. So uh, I look forward to talking about all the cool stuff that happened this week, and I look forward to uh, probably a few reactions from, from both of us as we we may or may not be watching uh, Mexico USA right now. <laughs> This is going to be the most distracted podcast episode we have ever done and probably will ever. <laughs> We're recording literally 9.06 p.m. on Thursday. USA-Mexico just kicked off in the fifth minute right now. So we are literally recording as the game is progressing. So, um, yeah, there will probably be some live reactions, uh, good or bad, as we progress here through the episode. But, of course, couldn't do this without our friends over at Pence Holmes, Night Street Soccer and Coffee and Stimulus Athletic. You will hear more about them as we move further along in the podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do. You get not only our weekly 10,000 Pitches episodes in your feed, but also our post-loons live streams. If you can't check us out live following every Minnesota United match, we have the episodes right here nice in the podcast feed for you as well. So make sure you're subscribing so you can get that content. And also leave us a rating and review on your preferred podcast platform if you have not. We're also on the socials at Soda SOC. Speaking of post-loons, myself and Sam Pfeiffer from Pod on You Loons, we were uh, the hosts of a the post-San Jose live stream, breaking down everything that had to do with the Loons 1-0 win over the Quakes. Dom, you and I will get into that and recapping that in just a minute, but... I like to start off as much as, you know, we love covering Minnesota United and we love talking about Minnesota United. I I think it's relevant to try to maybe kick things off with other aspects of Minnesota soccer if they seem to be more relevant, right? And I think Minneapolis City finally, finally, finally getting a chance to compete in the U.S. Open Cup uh, sort of takes over that, uh, that premier spot on the headline list this week. So that's where we're going to kick things off. Minneapolis City made their U.S. Open Cup debut after qualifying for, I believe, the third time or fourth time, maybe. Anyways, they tweeted a list of players who had actually helped them qualify for the U.S. Open Cup over the last four years and who weren't able to play, who had moved on and retired or moved on to other teams. And that list was about 10 or 11 names long, Dom. That was pretty pretty uh, eye-opening to see that. But anyways, the Crows do make their Open Cup debut on the road in Des Moines against the the reigning USL League 2 national champion Des Moines Menace. And coming into this match, Dom, we had no context, right? This is Minneapolis City's first time really taking on USL League 2 competition. Obviously, they're taking on the class of USL League 2 nationally, but we had never seen the Crows take on a team really in this league before and at this tier. We didn't know how City's roster would hold up against a team like Des Moines. There was literally, I, I was talking because I was over at Night Street at their watch party on, on Wednesday night, and I was talking to some guys before the game, and I was like, this could go, this could be 2-2, this could be 3-0 either way. I really have no earthly idea what's going to happen in this match, which made it intriguing. It did not did end up being 4-2 to two in favor of Des Moines. 
But coming in, did you kind of get the same feeling as me? Like, I have no idea what's going to happen here. Yeah, I, I definitely, I, that, that was definitely an element for me. And uh, part of part of it also is just in general, even if, say, uh, Minneapolis City had, had been in USL E2 last year or something like that, uh, because of the nature of the Open Cup when it starts, uh, you know, virtually no amateur team or semi-pro team, you know, however they identify themselves, but no team at this level that is playing in the first round is going to have its full roster available for the first right. game. And it will most likely be the first time those players play together for that team that year. So yeah. uh, even, even if they were, you know, had played Des Moines before, it's still such a, for all the teams in, in this round, it is uh, such a, a mixed bag of, of what to expect because for a lot of really old, these teens, this is the first competitive fixture of the year. A lot of them are going to be playing, to your point, a team they've never played before. Uh, and that team is also, you know, in the same position. So it, it's, it's a free-for-all in a lot of ways, even for the best teams. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, I imagine everyone involved on both sides was it's expecting – to not hold on to their expectations too much, I guess is what I would say. Definitely. And this is a very highly competitive game. Dom wrote the recap for sodasoccer.com. You can check that out right now. Very, very well done. Even got a quote. Um, did 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 Matt like call you from the bus to get you that quote? Or how, how exactly? Because <laughs> there's no press conference or anything. No. So how'd you get the, how'd you get the scoop there, Dom? Uh, or do you not, have... want to, do not want to give out your methods? That's totally fine. You can keep those. <laughs> My That's secretive cool. method. Uh, no, yeah, I had just gotten in touch with him the uh, day before, uh, just asking him, you know, what his what his availability would be or what would work for him because I mm -hmm. knew that there was the plan for me to write that, and he gave me the the the, the way of staying in touch with him. Um, and, and so just after the game, I kind of sensed the introduction of the conversation and when he was a available, you know, obviously as, as the head coach of that team, there's a lot of responsibilities he has to do after the game. Uh, but when he was available, which was, uh, I have to applaud him a lot earlier than I thought, uh, I, mm -hmm. I thought I was gonna have to maybe wait till the next morning and put that article out, but, uh, got back to me very quickly, which I very much appreciate. So, yeah, I mean, uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, you know, a, a hardworking guy that I think likes to make himself as available as possible to people that need him. So he, he did that for, for us, which we appreciate. And, uh, and, and had some, you know, I think very fair, you know, positive overall things to say after that game, because obviously it ends in a loss, but I think there are plenty of, of positive moments for, for Minneapolis city uh, to take one for their, their year and what to expect from, from the next couple months of soccer and, and also just uh, what they made of a historic moment that the club's been waiting for, for a very long time. I'm going to choose to believe that you paged him and then he hit you back up like <laughs> on a Blackberry or something. I, That's what I, I'm going to asked him my questions and he, uh, <laughs> and then he said a carrier pigeon yeah. back to Minnesota. With Absolutely. the response, that, that's what I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna choose to believe. But anyways, um, yeah, you know, and and you saw us kind of that. 
I guess you the sloppy nature that you were kind of alluding to that these matches sort of have in the opening round, especially with these semi-pro teams who haven't really been together or the guys they do have, maybe they just got together the week or two prior, um, haven't really had much practice time on the pitch together probably. And we kind of saw that play out over the course of the match. There were some great, great moments. We'll get to the goals in a minute. But the midfield play, a lot of turnovers, some sloppy play in the midfield on both sides. Um, I, I think kind of what what we expected from in terms of just like a game quality standpoint when you're talking about this early in the season and also the weather playing a factor too, obviously. Um, it was not very good in Minnesota on Wednesday. wasn't too much better in Des Moines either. Um, so that played a factor too. But still, City took the lead early on on one of the best goals that you will see at any level, let alone semi-pro. Dom, this free kick goes in in any league at any level you will find absolute perfect free kick from 30 yards out from Lionel Vang, somebody we have previously referred to on the podcast as somebody who could really make a statement this year uh, with the the platform that USL league two gives you. Well, he did so on the open cup stage scoring on a free kick 30 plus yards out top corner, top bins, like no goalkeeper on planet earth is going to get that. And Makes it into Sports Center's top 10, number two on the top 10. I mean, what a moment for Minneapolis City and the Crows and for a guy like Lionel Vang to really sort of put himself on the map and solidify himself as one of those players to look out for. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I watched a f- not every single match from this round of the Open Cup, but I watched a fair few and I saw highlights or bits from other matches as well. Uh, and, and all of that to say that I think I have in, uh, enough information in my hands to say that was probably the goal of the round. Uh, if it wasn't, it's a very close second. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I mean, hey, for all the waiting that's been done uh, by Minneapolis City in terms of getting to this into the proper stage of the competition, uh, that's a hell of a goal to to wait for. I mean. If I'd realized that's what we were all waiting for, I would have wanted them to get in a lot sooner than that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, great moment for him. Like you said, uh, Vane is a guy who looked really good last year. This is a the USL League Two move is providing a whole new stage for him. Uh, the Open Cup provides a, a whole new stage for him as well. And while he doesn't get to play multiple games in this this run. What a way to leave your mark. I mean, I, I, I was seeing guys that I follow on, uh, you know, journalists I follow on Twitter who are completely unrelated to, to American soccer, uh, just, you know, covering whatever else, sharing the goal with reactions because they saw it through ver- some connection. Um, you know, eventually the Open Cup actually tweeted it themselves, so I imagine that helped. Um, but, yeah, just a hell of a moment, a hell of a goal. It doesn't really get much better than that. Uh, and, uh, hopefully, hopefully it's moments like that. Obviously, you know, you touched on, I kind of touched on it. There were some rough moments in this game for, uh, certain city players. You know, there were, there were some, some rough mistakes or, or decisions made, particularly defensively that resulted in some, some of the Des Moines goals. And that's something they're going to have to work on, uh, as, as, you know, again, anyone would expect at this stage of the season. Uh, but for all those rough moments, there were some moments that were completely unbelievable. Uh, that Van goal being probably the most. Uh, but it's one of those goals that when you when I saw it go in, I didn't really process it had gone in until 
they started to reshow it. I, I almost hadn't really realized that he had scored because it was just such a strange, like rare kind of goal. So yeah, again, unbelievable moment for him. Hopefully that provides him personally and the team collectively just a little extra motivation say, Hey, we were able to put together some really good moments against the uh, USO lead two champions in a big stage, fresh out of the gate for this season. Let's keep doing that. Let's find more of those uh, as we, as we go forward. If Lionel Vang played for the U.S. men's national team, he would have put away that chance that Tim Away just had. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, but but yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, that could go and end up going down as goal of the tournament. I would not be surprised at all if at the end of the whole Open Cup, that is looked back as the the goal that kind of stands above the rest because it was it was that good of a goal and it was that quality. If you haven't seen it, if you lived under a rock, um, everybody who listens to this podcast, I'm sure. I've seen the goal, but if you have not, go to Minneapolis City's social media, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever, find the goal, watch it, enjoy it for what it is. It was a fantastic um, opening goal that we talked about, unfortunately, led in a 4-2 loss. But Dom, the thing that makes me most excited here, we get this matchup three more times this year. Yeah. I mean, that is really... And that could be kind of a litmus test for how Minneapolis City sort of moves through the USL season is kind of how they do in those matchups against Des Moines, you know, as they get the team together and as they improve and as they sort of get used to this level, you know, having three more matchups against the class of the the national scale in USL League 2, I mean, that competition can only help them moving forward. Yeah, you know, I mean, I... uh I, I asked Matt about that for that, for the article, for the match review saying like, you know, the elephant in the room here is that like, this is like the ultimate preview for essentially what's going to dictate this conference for the whole year is, is how these two teams do against each other. So, um, and, and, you know, he, he re- reflected a certain, a, to a certain degree, what I'm going to say here, which is that, you know, I think we saw that they can both hurt each other. Maybe Des Moines slightly more ready to do that right now. Uh, I don't think that's a horrible thing for Minneapolis to have to process because again, you're playing the, uh, the champions, the reigning champs. And again, it's the first game for both teams really playing at a competitive level for the year. Uh, You know, if if city can address certain things, uh, certain mistakes, you know, team cohesion that you expect to have to work on regardless I think that game you play it five, six times ends different every time. So I, I, I certainly think Des Moines showed that they're going to continue to be a problem for everybody and that they're definitely going to be competing for all the titles available to them. Uh, but I also think Minneapolis City showed, hey, uh, we're not going to just be part of the pack that this menace side just beat all the time. And uh, we can really hurt them in moments. If we clean up a little bit in certain aspects as the regular season rolls along, uh, and and maybe at home especially, uh, we mm-hmm. uh, we can flip that scoreline pretty easy. I mean that like you kind of mentioned uh, like the idea of it could be three zero either way. That game could have been four two the other way in a in a yeah. different day. I mean it was just kind of a, a wild game of chances at times. Uh, Vane like five six seven minutes after his goal had a 
equally impressive shot that could have been a goal that got tipped over the bars, kind of a volley off his mm-hmm. left foot, I think, from like the edge of the box. Uh, at that point, it was 1-0, so it could have been 2-0 from that. Uh, you know, City led for a long period that night. They uh, at About the hour mark, it was 2-2. It, 4-2 doesn't look great, but you have to mm-hmm. keep in mind that the, the severity of that scoreline really only happened in the last 10 minutes. Uh, so, you know, again, I, I think we got a teaser that this season in USL League 2 in, in the Midwest is going to be a really exciting one. Both these teams are going to be as good as we think they're probably going to be. And uh, every time they play is probably going to be worth watching for, for anyone that enjoys soccer. We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard Loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the Metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W. had to say. She said, quote, Nate was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to pencehomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at pencehomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also, make sure you let him know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's pencehomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also got a shout out 18-year-old Loish Misanvi who had, I mean, he's the youngest player on the team, had a very impressive goal, an equalizing goal in the second half, and then fell asleep in the team dinner afterwards. I don't know if you saw that on Twitter, Dom. Oh, I did not see uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> you look up Minneapolis City's Twitter or or Matt Van Metzgoten's Twitter. Um, yeah, wow. so they're eating the team dinner somewhere in Des Moines after the match. Right. And this kid, 18 years old, just scored probably the biggest goal of his life in the U.S. Open Cup match, and he falls asleep at dinner. <laughs> well, uh, that's all right. <laughs> he used all his energy up on the field, I guess. That yeah. guy, that kid had a heck of a day. We're going to travel down to Hawaii, yeah. you're going to play some soccer, you're going to score, go on a national, national stage. I'm going to eat some food and then fall asleep at the restaurant. That's 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 quite a day right there. That's that's Absolutely. that's a, that's a full day. That's you were you were in that you were in that lowish, but um, anyways, really good goal. I mean, again, our futures, futures, uh, program products. As well, um, you saw, we'll talk about this in a minute, you know, the, the Futures program just continues to breed quality uh, players, both inside and those who end up going outside of the Minneapolis city bubble um, to do big, to do bigger uh, things on the professional level. But I mean, that's something to hang your hat on too. You have a young kid, youngest kid on the team coming from the Futures program and scoring a goal in that environment as well. Um, I think if you were to probably ask Matt, I don't know if you did ask Matt, Dom, but probably would have liked to see you know, on, a, in an, on an ideal day, a little bit better defensive effort. Um, not that the effort was lacking, just, you know, maybe a little bit tighter and more organized defensively for City. Um, I think that ultimately in the second half, as things went down the stretch, there was their undoing in uh, Des Moines getting those last two goals to get that 4-2 win. But um, a lot to be excited about. And that's kind of, we just mentioned the Futures program continuing to breed quality players. 
Um, Jacob Popkin for uh, Minneapolis City Futures, played for the Minneapolis City senior team. He is now playing for AC Syracuse in NISA. So signing a professional contract there, really, really cool to see. And, you know, the, the Futures program just continues to kind of do what it's supposed to, but so early on, which I think was a little bit unexpected. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure the expectation was to already be getting yeah that that stage of export um, this early, but but great for great for Jacob to get that opportunity. Syracuse are a, a new team in NISA this this season, so in a lot of ways, unknown uh, unknown what, not quantity. What am I? A word am I thinking of? Well, anyways, an un, un entity, unknown entity uh, in terms of you know where they're going to fit into into NISA, but. Um, but very exciting, obviously, for for him to get that opportunity and and be part of that that team's new chapter that's starting, and uh, he'll be playing against some really, really good uh, players. I mean, Nisa is not in the limelight, obviously, the way some of the other third division leagues are, uh, but there are some fantastic uh, football players across that league and and multiple teams that are really high performing. So. Uh, that's going to be a, a huge exposure for him. And, and yeah, to your original point, uh, definitely a great endorsement of the futures program that they are one producing guys that can, you know, jump in uh, at like a Minneapolis city level and, and be in the open cup. And I, I imagine now play in USL league two matches, uh, but also guys that can maybe jump into a lower division pro side, try things out, see what happens. Uh, so that's uh, another reason for uh, Minnesotans to, to keep track of Nisa this year is to see how, how he does for sure. So now Des Moines will go on to play USL League One champions, Union Omaha. So you have the USL League Two champs against the League One champs, which is kind of cool in the second round of the Open Cup. And then um, Cleveland SC, who Minneapolis City fans probably have a little bit of a, a sour taste in their mouth after – Cleveland eliminated them from the NPSL playoffs last year. Um, they knocked off Chicago FC United late stoppage time equalizer, then eventually winning an extra time to give uh, to move along in the Open Cup there. And they will take on forward Madison. Um, that Des Moines and Omaha game, I believe, is on April 6th. Or no, excuse me, Cleveland and Madison is on April 6th. Des Moines and Omaha, I believe, is on April 7th. So um, still some... You know, some matches to watch, you know, stinks that City's out so early. But, um, you know, if you want to watch Des Moines, the team that ousted City, sort of see how far they can take it in the Open Cup. Um, that's going to be a great match, I think, between them and Omaha. And then, uh, you know, the Mingos, near and dear to our hearts, um, are in it as well in the second round against Cleveland SC. Uh, Crows now wait for the USL League 2 and NPSL seasons to start, both of which will happen in early May. Um, again, if you haven't read Dom's post-game piece on this, really good quotes from head coach Matt Van Benskoten on the match and, and everything. Really, really well done. Um, check it out, sodasoccer.com. You will not find another local outlet who um, has coverage of that match. You just won't. So uh, go check that out and support what we're doing there at sodasoccer.com. All right, Minnesota United time. Now, we get another win. First home win of the season, 1-0 over San Jose. You know, we were kind of talking last week, Dom, about how this is kind of a chance for maybe the floodgates to open for the Loons. Um, wasn't for lack of trying. A lot more uh, chances on goal. Kind of, again, though, that that sort of boogeyman of the, uh, you know, the chances not necessarily going in the back of the net that were 
kind of been accustomed to seeing from Minnesota, but still all in all a dominant performance for the loons in route to the one nil win. Uh, it was St. Clair um, in goal Dotson box, all common and Debasi along the back line, trapping Ariaga in the defensive midfield load on the right. Reynoso with the 10 Longwani starting on the left and Luis Maria at the nine. Amaria is the one who gets the goal. Second goal of the year. Uh, second goal in two matches. Um, clean sheet for Dane St. Clair, although he did not face a single shot. We will get to that in a minute. Um, a dominant performance. 1-0 win, though. I think we were hoping that that scoreline would be a little bit more um, one-sided going in. But the performance itself was definitely one-sided, Dom. What did you think of the match on Saturday? Yeah, it's a funny one, as, as you noted there. At the end of the day, it was always kind of Minnesota United's match. But, you know, when you're watching, it's 80-plus minutes in, 1-0 lead. San Jose get the occasional break forward. Mm. You can't help but wonder, like, why is this team in this position right now? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't really seem necessary. Uh, and And – Part of part of the narrative with all that, of course, is that it feels more intense because we had, gosh, two or three one-on-one with the keeper situations or close to one-on-one with the keeper situations uh, that resulted in no goals. So uh, that that that's you know when you when you're watching the game live and those are happening and nothing's coming of it and you're getting down to to the ninety and San Jose have a counter here and there. That's quite nerve-wracking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we've talked almost every game now about how the attack has not quite seemed uh, fully connected, uh, communicating in a, in, a, in a real flow. I think to a degree it was better in this game. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if games against San Jose are a great way to measure that. Um, They're but, a great opportunity to give it, get on the same page, though. That's true. That's <laughs> true. That's true. Um and so, you know, well, I think I'll, I'll, I'll side on the silver lining of that, which is that it looked better. Um, mm. But now, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean as much if it doesn't equal actually scoring more. So, uh, yeah, I think that's probably the concern point out of all this is the, the defense was great. Uh, the, the, the back line and, and the two midfielders, essentially, Dave St. Clair, nothing to do all, all night. Um, and uh, and there was a lot of great moments attacking, attacking wise. Uh, but again, as as we climb up the list of complaints, uh, you 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 do arrive at that just like well, but okay, now we need to make sure we're actually scoring in these obvious op- opportunities. Uh, you know, making the right decisions when all you really gotta do is make one two or one or two more right decisions and the ball's in the net. Uh, that was concerning. But but I, I I left that game overall happy with the development that I think I was seeing in the team. Uh, Amaria continues to feel, seem like he's gelling into the team. You know, a lot of people, including us, yeah. noted that in the first game or two, it just seemed like he wasn't really in the neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't seem to be – I don't feel that way anymore. I don't feel that way anymore. I think he's doing a far better job of gelling with the rest of that front four or five uh, and, and and obviously, you know, connecting with Love for that that goal against San Jose as an example. Uh, so, you know, I think there's a lot of positives take away. I think the negatives are really, they're not even necessarily negatives. They're just positives waiting to happen in the sense that there's still progress I think the team needs to make to really 
be consistently competing. Uh, but at the same time, this is certainly a better place to be than, than where they started the first two weeks against Philadelphia and Nashville. Uh, I'm going to touch on a couple things that, that really um, impressed me about this team on Saturday. The first thing, as you mentioned, the defensive performance. Holy cow. I mean, really, you don't get much more dominant than that. I think it was only five or six total shots, zero on goal. Completely shut down what San Jose wants to do. Um, San Jose's game is basically playing the soccer version of 500. If you ever played 500 out in the schoolyard, you you just chuck it up there and <laughs> hope that one of your guys gets on the on the other end. Because if you're throwing in 500, you know you have those one or two guys that you you know you want you you're, you're sort of preferring in that group. It's really a 50-50 ball though. That's kind of what San Jose does. They just sort of pick out one or two guys, even though it's a 50-50 ball, they're going to kick it 30, 40 yards downfield, and they're going to hope that one of those guys gets under it to create a goal-scoring opportunity. That is Almeidable. Um, and they've actually been had been pretty good at that leading up to the season. They had the most passes of 30-plus yards of any team in the league, uh, most pass attempts of 30-plus yards of any team in the league coming into the match on Saturday. And they had completed those at about a 65% clip, which is third best in MLS. So it was kind of working. The score lines weren't in their favor, but what they were trying to do and execute offensively was actually kind of working. Um, Minnesota just took that completely out of the equation. There was, there was nothing from the long ball that San Jose was able to execute. They were forced to work their way up the field, play from the back, which is not what they want to do. Um, you saw it on Saturday, but they're objectively not good at that, like at all. So um, <laughs> that's really good defensive execution from Minnesota United, from Ariaga and Dotson to the back line. I thought Coleman played really well, um, had a really couple great one-on-one -on -one defending um, sequences, specifically one against Jeremy Abobasi, um is in my mind. If Abobasi gets by Coleman, he's in on goal alone. Um, Coleman just stands tall, stands strong, um, is able to get the turnover. Um, Obobasi wasn't able to do anything against him. Um, I thought he just had an excellent performance. Debasi, my man of the match, um, just uh, played really well along the left on the left back position. Um, that's really encouraging to see because against Philadelphia, he was not objectively not not great on that left back position. But the more he has played there he has gotten better and exponentially better each match. Now, we knew coming in, that was a, uh, a secondary position Debasi could play and play well. Um, and he is showing that in those improved performances as the season has gone on. Um, and I, I think he was the best player on the pitch on Saturday, personally. Coleman alongside him, probably my number two for that. Um so just really, really good performance. I think this sort of uh, secondary back line that Minnesota United has sort of pieced together in light of the Chase Gasper situation, which we talked about at length last week, and then also also the uh, just the injuries that they faced as well. Um, this, they're playing together. They're playing well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see once we get full strength kind of where those pieces fall. But very, very encouraging to see that defensive depth play out. Um, another thing I like seeing is that Minnesota United – off offensively what they've always done they've always been a team that likes to attack along the flanks likes to attack wide cross the ball in we're kind of we kind of wondered coming into the season is that going to work this year they have no height who is going to get on the other end of a cross um 
Amaria is a guy though who can find space in the box. Like he can find, he, he can in transition, he can time a run really well to get space. He can like find those little pockets um, when defenders are around him. So I do think that sort of maybe uh, counter counteracts the lack of height that Minnesota United has. So I'm really interested to see if they can sort of execute more attacking sequences along the flanks. Although I would like to try to see try to see them go up the middle and see Reynoso and Amaria connect for a goal or 15 this season. Uh, but I, the traditional attacking style for Minnesota United, I see an opening there where that could actually work uh, with Amaria at the nine. Yeah, uh, I, I I agree with everything you're saying. Uh, I I think we're seeing. Um, I think we're seeing um, that continuation with the focus on the flanks, and I do think that Amaria is showing, uh, you know, a real ability again. Like we were kind of saying, now that he's kind of gelled with the team, he's got weeks with the team, that uh, you know he can pick out those balls, he can get those chances, and you know, I, obviously there's like that. Uh, not stereotype that's like a negative term but that idea that you need like a certain size of forward to to create certain chances you know the height those sort of things um but you know this league has plenty of star star strikers that aren't that way uh you look at the the Rui Diaz's, the Joseph Martinez's, you know some of the best strikers in the league right now are kind of like short stocky guys so uh Amaria doesn't have that build but you know, there, there, there's, there's of course variety to, to how a forward can be built and, and, and sell. So, uh, he, he's showing that he can do that again for this team. Uh, this goal was like less pretty than his previous goal, but it, it still to me is as impressive in the sense that, you know, you're seeing that he's making the, the movement, finding the space, reading the movement of his, of the other players, reading loads, loads pass. Um, that's all that's all great signs so that's what you want what appears to be our designated striker for the year right now uh that's what you want him doing and uh based on the fact that no one else seems to really be getting much of any time off of him uh heath is also very happy with where he is in that process so uh yeah i think i think we should be excited for what uh, luisa maria has in the future Taking a quick water break here to tell you about our good friends over at Stimulus Athletic. And when I say friends, I 100% mean it. Jason Mora has been supporting 10,000 pitches since its infancy in the summer of 2020. And he's continuing to provide us that support with SodaSoccer.com. And I'm proud to say he's become a good, good friend of mine. Jason used his experience as a pro all over the country, including right here at Minnesota United, to help him launch a company that can provide quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices to clubs and teams at all levels. This is a Minneapolis-based company doing great things for local, nationwide, and even worldwide clubs. Minneapolis City, Joy Athletic, Flora, Dynamo St. Cloud, Tulsa Athletic, the American Outlaws, and even the Anguian National Team all use Stimulus to outfit their club with the jerseys, game gear, and apparel they need. And Stimulus can do the same for you and your club as well. It's pretty simple. Just head to StimulusAthletic.com, start a conversation with their amazing team, and let them know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's StimulusAthletic.com. I'm sorry, Dom. I didn't hear a single word you just said. Uh, That's Christian Bolson just got in on goal. Point blank shot. Right <laughs> at Ochoa. He might be hurt. Who knows? Uh, I think there's a slight delay now. between you yeah. and me watching because that happened as I started to talk. And I paused mm. for a second. Then I thought, and then you saw. <laughs> and then you focused. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This 
is this is a little bit nerve wracking. I think this game is pretty wild. Day, we're we're like doing a pretty good job of talking, but this game's been pretty wild to watch in the background. <laughs> it's end to end, man. It's wide open, which is, I mean, it's fun to see. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't doesn't bite the U.S. in the butt because uh, yeah, well, I think we'll they. See. They should probably get a result here if you're looking objectively. But anyways, um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of there's a few positives to take from Minnesota United specifically. There's still also that that's still in the back of the mind that they haven't exactly earned the right to put in the rearview mirror is the ability to finish chances. And I, I'm confident with Amari at the nine and with the way this front four is set up that they will continue to increase that, I guess, output, if you will. Um and uh, yeah, I'm I'm sort of loosening up my my take about uh, about Adrian Unu. Um, I think the you're last not, you're two not matches, the only one changing your mind about Adrian Unu. I think. Hey, look, look, look <laughs> the last two matches have shut me up a little bit. I do think he needs to be on the field, though. Yeah, well, like, that's he, doesn't, I mean. he doesn't need to start, but like. Yeah. Come on, man. You got a DP on your bench who's played six minutes in the first three matches or in the first four matches. Hasn't played at all in the last three. Um, I don't know. I'm not at training. Maybe Jacob Schneider can shed a little bit more light and context on why Unu might not be might not be seeing the pitch. But um, that is a baffling. That to me is a surefire second half substitution. Um, if you if, if you're level, maybe you don't need a goal. Maybe it's a straight Amaria for Unu. If you need a goal, it's a great secondary striker to put in there. He used to playing in a two-striker system in France. Um, so, ooh, you got chippiness, pushing and shoving. Um, oh, Ochoa's even going out there. Anyways, um, so I, I think he's a guy who needs to see the field. I think he's a guy who can make an impact. But the less he gets in the match, I think the less impact he's going to be able to make once he finally gets on the pitch because he's not going to have that time. Right, we saw right. how much value consistency has with this Minnesota United team last year, and if if you're not on the field for five or six matches, you can't put a guy in there for ten minutes and expect them to gel with the other guys that are on the pitch. That's just not going to happen. So I think unless he has just completely found himself down the depth chart for whatever reason, um. And and maybe that's the case because we did see Abu Dhanladi on Saturday. Although I don't, I'm not gonna jump to the conclusion that that's an indication that he's over Unu on the uh, on the uh, on the depth chart because of the situation that that was in. Minnesota United was up late. Um, you bring Dunladi on, um, maybe maybe um, he sees Dunladi as as a better hold up player than than Unu. Who knows? But sure. Um, I don't know. It'll, I, I'm interested to see if we see Adrian Anu at all this season, if he's moved in the summer transfer window, like there's, there's, I mean, there's a lot of things that could happen. This open up opens up so many more questions. I guess it's a good problem to have if your DP is not seeing the field and you're winning matches, but it's still a little bit head scratching to me to say the least. Yeah. It's a weird one. I think, yeah, obviously there were there were some that made quite a bit of the fact that um, Dan Lottie came on uh, against San Jose when he did, and, and obviously Unu was on the bench still. I think, you know, you got to be careful about how much you correlate individual moments. I, I think that in itself does not, doesn't mean anything. I understand, though, that because Unu had not been used, 
in previous matches and build up to that, that it kind of created a narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we don't know for sure quite what the thinking is behind any of, of those individual decisions. But yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting situation uh, that, you know, I, I back when the back when the debate was Denladi and Unu, I made the point just that I don't necessarily think that someone's wage status should be what determines who starts. And I still think that's true. But that was just about who starts. I mean, I should. I think they should all still be playing. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't think that Unu should just not be playing because of this or that. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's it's definitely odd to see just a complete vacuum of minutes uh, for him, or a complete lack of minutes for him. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see, as you as as you said. You know, obviously, there's plenty of matches to come. Uh, if he is still not appearing in the near future and there's no like health reason provided, obviously he's on the bench. So it seems like he would be physically fine. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just picturing it's going to happen. He's going to have thorax next to his name on the injury report. Serious thorax problems. Mm, There's a, there's a, there's a habitual thorax problem spreading across the Minnesota United roster. Um, yeah, you know, if we get the summer and it's still like this, you do then have to kind of wonder what is the uh, what is the future for uh, for him contractually with the team. Obviously, that's a long way to go. Things might change by then, but he yeah, you can't quite help but uh, raise questions. Um, but, you know, obviously things are going well overall results wise for the team, so you got to start looking other places for 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 what's what's going on. But it, it it's a weird one, and uh, we'll see. This t- we've talked a lot about depth with this team uh, in all kinds of positions, including striker. And uh, I did not quite expect that the manifestation of our striker depth was that none of the depth players would play. So <laughs> I, I thought I thought I thought that would work out a little differently. Uh, you know, I'm not a professional soccer coach, though. So, I mean, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But this isn't quite what I was thinking would happen when we were all hyped up about having all the strikers in the league. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll see, but uh, yeah, I, I imagine it'll be a, a, a story that we're just going to have to keep tabs on for, for many months to come. In fairness, one of those strikers is playing. He's just playing on the left wing now. He got his first start. I think that, I mean, he's 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 shown that he can make an impact, and he's shown that he's continuing to progress. But he almost like plays this like street soccer style where he's just gonna go forward right at a defender yeah. and basically play chicken with that particular defender in terms of who's gonna move first. Um, it it, it ended up in a couple of head scratching situations. It also ended up in one really good goal scoring chance for him um, that he fortunately wasn't able to put away. But I I still think that's I, I like having a guy on the pitch with that mentality where we're going to get the ball and we're going to go and we're going to move and we're going to get down the pitch. And who's coming with me? I like that mentality. I don't like that mentality from all 11 guys. But if you have a, a piece there who is sort of bringing that, hey, let's let's move forward and let's let's get down the pitch sort of mentality. I, I do like that. I, and the, the the thought is, my thought is, I just want to make sure I'm I'm saying that I would like to see this and hopefully it does improve, is just his uh his technicality on the ball. Um his ability to maybe be a little bit more cleaner, 
um, a little bit more. I don't even say, say I want him to be a little bit more finesse. I just want to see him be, you know, it's a little bit rough on the ball for him right now. I mean, he's good on the ball, but like I said, he's a little bit reckless on the ball right now. Um, so I'd like to see that improve a little bit. But all in all, I'm really, really, um, I'm, I'm really, really encouraged with what I see with Bongi moving forward. Um, I think if Fragapane, if this issue with Fragapane continues to um, leave him on the bench or leave him um, off the off the twenty completely, um, I'm confident in Bongi as a starter. I do hope, though, kind of playing off of our last conversation, that if Fragapane is back and he is healthy, that we still see Bongi getting time on the pitch because it's the only way this guy's going to improve in the ways that we want him to. Yeah, for sure. I. I... I'm very much on the on the same boat of positivity overall for 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 Lamane. Um There are, there are things he has to work on most definitely. I I I think I said some version of this uh, in a previous episode. I definitely think this is where he needs to stay. Is the first team. I don't. I know that leading up to the season, we were wondering, is this like a MLS signing? Is this an MLS Nets Pro signing? Is this a USL loan signing? He should be with the first team. That's where he should be. Mm. He should not be sent to MLS Nets Pro. That is not where he needs to be right now. He needs to be at this level. He does need to improve aspects of his game, but I, I think it would be a mistake to to remove him from from the squad. Uh, when he Fragabani is a plus player. With all yeah. of the little things that we have said he that he needs to improve, he is still a plus player for this team. He is not a Absolutely. liability. I wouldn't even call him an even player for this team. He is in a good addition when he is on the pitch. Absolutely. And when Fragapane is healthy, having a guy like this on the bench that seems very happy to come in and play as a substitute as well, that is uh, uh, extremely important. A lot of teams struggle to find guys like that. Uh, so, you know, look, again, there's going to be things he's going to have to do better on. He got a little unlucky, to be honest, with the the, the not goal that he almost scored when he sort of pretty good save. fumbled his way into a one-on-one with the, the goalkeeper. Shot could have, I guess, supposed been placed better, but at the same time, goalkeepers all the time with that one. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I imagine if he's, you know, assuming that he continues to play considerable minutes in the near future, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets his first goal relatively soon. Um even if he doesn't, though, I, I, I think this is a guy that the team needs to stay excited about and stay invested in as a project, as someone that needs to be around the 11 or around the 18. I think it would be a mistake to do anything otherwise. All right, you can call this our 10K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Night Street have been so great to us, and we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Night Street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say, I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at Night Street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista. I'll just say that. Affordable weekly pickup is always available at Night Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at Night Street, including Minnesota United Watch Parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter at Night 
9th Street MPLS. That's 9th and Street, both spelled out. N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google or visit their website, 9thStreetMPLS.com, just like the uh, social handles, N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at 9th Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South 9th Street in Minneapolis or online at 9thStreetMPLS.com. Uh, one last point here before we sort of move on into looking at who's on international duty and moving on to the Seattle match uh, is the defensive midfield. Um, Ariaga and Trap, I think that's your that's your A1 defensive midfield if you're Minnesota United. And again, this is a situation that kind of sucks for Hassani Dotson. Because he is having to play right back uh, because of the injury issue. So he is not getting a chance to gel with either Ariaga or Trap. And meanwhile, it's like it's like when you, this is an example, might only pertain to me. When I was in high school, my junior year of high school, I told my parents I was going to one place. I was really going to another place. They found out I was at the other place. So I got grounded, right? I got grounded for like a week, I think. Um, during that week... Like one of my best friends started hanging out with this other kid who we like knew and like, they got like this, like tight in that week. And so I go back, I'm like, Hey guys, what's up? And all of a sudden there's this like new guy that's hanging out with my best friend. And I'm like, what's going on here? Like I'm gone for a week and this is what happens. This is a very loose uh, <laughs> uh, hypothetical that I'm trying to transfer into this situation. But it's kind of what's happening with Sonny Dotson right now where, yeah, you know, he's a great defensive midfield player for this team. But with him having to play right back, that is giving Ariaga and Trap the opportunity to really develop some chemistry together. And I, I and we talked about how good the defense as a whole was on Saturday. I think a lot of that has to do with the defensive midfield play that we saw from both of those players. Um, and, and that's a really, really good thing. But it also continues to amplify the question of, where does Sasani Dotson fit into this roster? Yeah, it's a tough one. You know, I leading, uh, well, I think even in the end of last season and leading up to this season, uh, you know, one of my things is the sort of, you know, play the kids kind of thing and and making sure that people like Dotson and St. Clair are getting the minutes they deserve. And, and you know, I've talked before about how I was, I personally just, I, I did not necessarily understand some decisions that were made with players like Mason Toy. Um, all that being said, and then leading up to the season, I was like, Dotson's got to get the minutes. Dotson's got to, you know, get his chance in the midfield. And there were questions. And blah, blah. <sighs> Ariaga has made it impossible not to start him at this point. I, I, I don't, there's a part of me that wants Dotson to be playing there, but that part is very easily beaten in argument by the fact that I have no data from this season to explain why he should be there. Mm-hmm. Ariaga should be there. Trap should be there. So it, it's really unfortunate because I, we know that where he's playing right now is not his sort of true position or the position he, he may, probably wants to be playing or can develop the most from playing. But he is also a really solid right back, and we need someone there. And I don't think he should be starting ahead of the two guys playing in the, the central midfield right now. So uh, it's it's a it's an awkward one. 
But Ariaga has been fantastic. And I love players like the player he's proving to be. Guys that are just gritty as hell and hardworking, creative, but but also very pragmatic. Uh, you know, he he's proving to be everything that people were hoping he'd be. And uh, he might end up being sort of the signing of the of the of the season for the for Minnesota United if things continue to play out the way they've been playing out. So I I, I think it'd be best if he continues to pair up with Trap. And uh, unfortunately, again, that that creates some awkward situations for for Dotson's place in the team, especially once everyone's healthy. But it's it's a tough one because at the end of the day, Heath has to play the players that are playing the best. And Ariaga is playing the best. So, uh, yeah, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how, as as the schedule condenses a little bit, as as games become a little a little more constant, if as rotation comes into play, if that creates some sort of in for a change. But right now, I see no reason to change from this this pair. This is a recklessly speculatory hypothetical here. That was a mouthful. Recklessly speculatory <laughs> hypothetical. But just walk down this path with me. Mm-hmm. We could we could see a situation this summer where Adrian Unu, Hassani Dotson, and now Tyler Miller, maybe if Dane St. Clair is still your starter. Those three guys are on sort of the the list of guys who could be out the door in the summer transfer window. That's pretty wild to think about. I don't know if they would do it with Dotson because I just still think he brings a lot of value as with his flexibility and as a depth piece. But every day he's not seeing the pitch at his preferred position, his ideal position, I think is a day where his value goes down. Yeah. Hmm. A lot of teams could use a Hassani Dotson. And if you're looking at trading him within the league for Garber Bucks, the summer transfer window is a great time to do that because teams are looking at the stretch run of the season and saying, Hey, here's um, you know, here's what we need. We're this type of player away from taking that next step, either into the playoffs or into the elites or into MLS cup contention. Hassani Dotson, just looking at it from what he can bring to a team, he can be that kind of player for a lot of teams. That's sort of that that one piece to the puzzle that they might be missing, especially if they need defensive midfield help specifically. Um, So that's where I'm looking at, like, is that, is that the time? But also we just talked about the Adrian Nunu situation. If he's not seeing the pitch, you know, why is he, why, why would it make sense to keep him on the roster past July? If he's not being used and you have 14 other strikers you could choose from, right? I mean, uh, and then Tyler Miller, I'm still of the opinion, and I love Tyler Miller, and I hope that if this gets to Tyler Miller somehow that we're talking about this, that he doesn't take this personally because I like him a lot. And I think he has been an excellent goalkeeper for Minnesota United when called upon. But Dane St. Clair has proven time and time out when he gets the opportunity that he's the guy. He's the future for this team. This is the last year of Tyler Miller's contract. If you don't move him in the summer for money, for something you're going to lose him for nothing after the season's over why would you i mean i get that situations come up where you might need a quality goalkeeper to back up you know we saw that in the playoffs last year where miller 
uh, got COVID. So Dane St. Clair had to step in. I get that it makes sense to maybe have a quality second goalkeeper from that standpoint. But just from a purely business standpoint, I think that's another piece that might have to be moved in the summer if he's not playing. So you that's that's crazy. Three guys who last season, odds-on starters for this team, Adrian Anu, Hassani Dotson, Tyler Miller. Three guys who, I mean, I can almost, I guess guarantee might be strong, but I can almost guarantee that at least one of those three isn't going to be here come August 1st. That could definitely be the case. That could definitely be the case, at least one of those. Um, Dotson at least has the positive of those three, that at the end of the day, he's still going to be getting minutes, uh, mm. albeit not probably where he wants to be, but he's uh, cursed with being a very multi-positional player. So, uh, you know, that 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 provides a, a soft solution to his problem. But with, yeah, with Unu and Miller... I mean, if you're not playing at all, what what is what is really the point? Uh, particularly for the for for Unu, uh, given the contract that he's on, uh, it's it does it does. It's strange. It's a strange situation, and and like you said, it's extra strange because all these guys were essentially go-to starters uh, six months ago. So, we'll we'll have to see. Uh, again, there's a lot of time left. A lot of time for for particularly Unu and and Dotson to figure out their their futures in the in the outfield more. Uh, Miller has a more complicated situation, of course, because his position only one person can play. But um, yeah, there's it's not necessarily drama, but there's a lot of like complicated storylines kind of developing in terms of like the roster building of yeah. this team right now, and. Uh, I have to admit that I'm I don't even know what pathway would make the most sense for for Heath and the team to even go down. I think it's a really really a multifaceted situation right now in terms of of who deserves the investment, who deserves the minutes, who deserves the chances, what you do with the players that you don't think deserve the chances. Uh it is it is a complicated one. Uh, which is, you know, unfortunately, I think after this offseason, it felt like a lot of that complication with the roster had been figured out. And now we're realizing maybe that's not quite the case. But these are uh, becoming good problems, though, Dom. They're not complications, yeah, yeah. frustrating complications with the team's not getting results. And it's like, what are we going to do? Right. This person's not performing. So what's, you know, what are we going to do with them? It's like, no, we've got other guys who have come in who have right. proven worthy of spots that were previously occupied by other guys who we thought were the guys for those spots. So now what happens to those other guys who we thought were the guys because the new guys are playing so well, it's right. a, it's a good problem to have, but it still begs so many questions and so many different scenarios that can play out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, again, it's a good problem to have. Uh, I suppose the, the hope is just that, you know, the, the folks that have decisions to make do a good job of, ha- you know, sometimes good problems can be tricky things for some, for some people. Uh, but you know, one can hope that that smart decisions are made for the roster and uh, as as things progress. All right, so Minnesota next hosts Seattle. They have this weekend off, obviously, with the international break. They're back at it next Saturday, April second, hosting Seattle uh, for a primetime kickoff. We will, of course, be with you for post loons following that one as well. 
um, and have all your all your match day coverage there at sodasoccer.com. So make sure you're bookmarking us or do whatever you got to do to stay in the in the loop with everything happening with our Minnesota United coverage. All right. Um, a few other things. Speaking of international duty and the international break, five Minnesota United players on international duty. Of course, we have some of the usual suspects, Robin Lud in Finland. Um, you have Dane St. Clair in Canada. But you also have Kervin Ariaga and Joseph Rosales, who are playing for a Honduras team that is actually level with Panama at the half as we're tied as as, as we're recording, Dom. So shout out to Kervin and Joseph for helping out the USA uh by get by uh getting a goal across and it's one one at half. If they can hold that result, that is huge for the US, especially if the US can hold their result as they're nil 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 at the half. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you know how both of those matches played out. But here we are at time of recording, sort of speculating. But um, very, very cool to see. And obviously, Kervin Ariaga has been one of the lone bright spots for a Honduras team that has been objectively terrible in uh, in this qualifying cycle. So, um, yeah, obviously, continuing to do big things for them um, as they are. That would be a huge, huge upset, um, even if they were to take a point from Panama. Uh, and just a quick correction. Maybe what you're looking at was was off. That game actually just ended. Oh, that's final. Yeah, okay, one one is final. I thought it started, I, I it started an hour before the U.S. game. Okay, yeah. so I assume since it was you know since U.S. Canada was or since U.S. Mexico was at half, that Panama Honduras was at half. Too. So that so, is a big result. One one's that final. Is that is yeah. a huge result for the U.S. So again, yeah. shout out Kervin, who I know played a big role. Um, I looking at a surface level, I'm not sure if Joseph uh, was was on the pitch for that one. But um, anyways, moving on. Um, another one who uh, sees international duty now for Minnesota United is the aforementioned Bangi. Bangakuli Hongwane does play for the South, South African national team. Um, they are taking on Guinea on Saturday, or excuse me, on Friday, March 25th, and then France on March 29th. Both of those are friendlies. Um, so not World Cup qualifying, but just friendlies there for Hlongwane. Um, Just one note, Michael Boxall was originally slated to be with the New Zealand, New Zealand national team for their World Cup qualifiers this weekend, but their schedule is such where it'd be cutting it very, very close in terms of Boxall getting back into the U.S. in time for the uh, for the game against Seattle. And with all the problems that Minnesota United is having along the back line, uh, Boxall thought it best to stay in Minnesota during this time. So unfortunate for him. Um, I know for a fact that Minnesota United and Adrian Heath, they talk about it all the time. They are big, big proponents of their players going to play for their countries. Uh, but this is a, just a situation where, you know, just the, the chips did not fall in favor of Boxall heading to uh, to be with his team, uh, his national team in New Zealand. Although his brother, Nico Boxall actually did, was in the starting 11 for them today on Thursday as we're recording here. So um, that is pretty cool that a Boxall at least found the field, but it was not uh, the Loons center back, unfortunately. But um, still, five guys going to play for their countries for Minnesota United. That's pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. And, and you know, uh, the the obvious note on the Boxall thing is just that New Zealand pretty much dominate the UFC, and he will certainly have more opportunities um, in the in the. Yeah. That's chapters of their World Cup qualification campaign to to represent uh, New Zealand, but but yeah, no, great, you know, for for 
years now, it's been a great part of this team, even at times where the team was not necessarily doing amazingly in terms of league standings. Um, they, they, we've had a lot of uh, national team representative, representatives, representation. Uh, and, and so that's always great to see. It's great that the team has a positive attitude about that because unfortunately not all teams do. Uh, and, uh, you know, it means a lot to these guys. You, you will struggle to find any player that has a chance for, to represent their country that it doesn't mean the world to them. So, yeah. uh, you know, even, even if it's a country like Honduras or New Zealand that are not expected to do huge headline things in World Cups, it still means the world to most of these guys to uh, to represent their country and and even have the chance just to compete on the day for for a result. Uh, so it, it's great to see that permeating the roster, permeating the locker room at Minnesota United, and hopefully just create another layer of motivation, another another layer of momentum and inspiration for for all these guys. Definitely. All right. Some other news before we get out of here. Um, former Duluth FC and UW Superior forward Eric Watson signing for seventh division non-league side Glossop North End, um, and they play in the Northern Premier League in England. So very, very cool that a uh, that a former Blue Green is getting the opportunity to show his skills over um, in England. And then 2021 Futures League MVP Jacob Popkin, we already mentioned, he has signed with professional club AC Syracuse. It, they are, of course, the new member of NISA. So we'll be, you know, we'll be keeping an eye on him. Uh, it'll be a kind of a good, I guess, litmus test to see how these future players, futures players, early on stack up with uh, with professional competition moving forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, more NPSL talent continuing to get the opportunity to take that next step. We see that with Emmanuel Ewe with Minnesota United too. Obviously, Cindy Warden has his pick of the litter in terms of where he wants to go after his college career is over. Um, and then we see it now with Eric Watson and Jacob Popkin too. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, we, we talked about Jacob earlier. Obviously, that's a great opportunity again for him to be part of this new team in Nisa for for uh, for Wadi, as people refer to him. Uh, it's a great uh, opportunity to, you know, try another level of the game, uh, experience that sort of high-level non-league uh, football that, uh, is not obviously in the EFL and the top four divisions of England, but it's still very competitive. A lot of the teams are semi-professional uh, and uh, occasionally teams from particularly the fifth or sixth tier will even make like a deep FA Cup run. Uh, so, you know, great great for him to be part of that. He's he's a really talented uh, footballer. Obviously did some really great things for UWS, was with Duluth FC last season, got a couple of goals, had some really impressive matches. It's also, for what it's worth, uh, very well known in the area as a great guy. It's one of the you know first players that go to say hi to the kids after the games, sort of thing. Uh, so great to see. Uh, uh, he he feels like a local. He's actually Canadian, but he feels like a local around here. Most people would argue. So um, great to see. Great to see talent that's that's been uh, developed here at least uh, getting a chance to to try things out at another country, another level. It's a very cool dynamic how even guys who aren't from Minnesota 
if they play for one of like the Minnesota NPSL teams, or almost just sort of like adopt them as Minnesotans. Like we do that with Brandon Bay on this podcast all the time. He played yeah. one summer for Minneapolis City, <laughs> and anytime he does something significant for the Rebs, we're like, you know what? We're going to mention him. He's an he's an adopted Minnesotan. So it's just very cool how there's this sort of continued connection for however short or long these guys play for one of these clubs in the state. There's always just kind of that continued forever connection uh, with those guys and the club, which is cool. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, like you said, there's and some of the examples that pop in my mind. Admittedly, they played more than one season, but but still, mm-hmm. there's guys uh, for for Duluth. I'm more aware of, but I, I I promise you, these kinds of guys exist for folks in Rochester with Med City or uh, the Dakota Fusion out in Fargo and Moorhead. Guys like uh, you know, Donnie Bentall was a, a really important defender for Duluth for several seasons. Uh, part of the 2017-2018 squads that won won titles that year. He's Israeli. Uh, he didn't go to college in the area, but he spent several years, three, four summers with the team. And by the end of that, I mean, the guy might as well have been from here. I don't know. I mean, he he knew people here. He had friends. You know, he knew everybody in the team. He knew, you know, everybody. He knew people that owned the shops and, you know, apartments and all this. I mean, he might as well have been part of Duluth. So, yeah, those stories exist all over the place, and that's that's part of the beauty of of soccer as a sport. It brings people together from all over the place. So, uh, so yeah, great, great that that uh, Wadi's taking uh, taking that aspect of his journey to a whole new place, and and hopefully the folks in England take to him as well. Med City is a good shot because they had a couple situations over the last couple of years where I mean, goalkeeper is not from Minnesota. AJ Jarvis and then Gal Ilyashev most recently um needed some help they both yeah. uh jarvis under, uh, underwent a heart issue um Ilya Shiv had to get some facial reconstructive surgery and so there were multiple sort of uh gofundmes uh set up for those guys and it was the you know the rochester community and the supporters of the team who really kind of showed out to to help sort of help those guys out so yeah it really is sort of once you're on these teams you're sort of a part of that community e- even after your time that you play for them um it's kind of one of the unique aspects of of lower league soccer but even here in minnesota that sort of trickles professionally as well right i can't imagine i can't think now again i don't know this league wide i can't imagine there's another club whose supporters follow their former players as much as minnesota <laughs> united supporters follow their former players i kid you not anytime christian ramirez scores a goal it's like minnesota united twitter is all over yeah. Anytime, you know, with the, the Gregish and Calvo thing for the earthquakes like a few weeks ago, <laughs> like, you know, it's just, you know, that was crazy. So um, yeah. it's really cool that you just kind of have that continued connection, even the semi-pro level specifically, but also even at the professional level, which I don't, I don't, I don't know, but I can't imagine is too much the case in other states and other markets. Sure. I definitely forget sometimes that Christian Ramirez and Miguel Ibarra aren't from here. <laughs> right like sometimes i just will forget and then it'll come up that i think they're both from california uh and and then i'll see a theme on whatever on wikipedia or something i mean like, oh that's right they like showed up here like 20 years in <laughs> to their lives but it just feels like they're from here it's it's yeah it's, it's strange like that um one note miguel abara reportedly signing with the charlotte independence in usl league one uh according to andy grader of the pioneer press so that's pretty cool um, and then did you see the Christian Ramirez thing on Twitter? Uh, if it was very recent, I guess not. So oh, it's just like, it's just the other day. So um, obviously they're off on international break as well. Mm. Um, and so he is going on, on holiday as they call it over there. 
Um, and so he he posted a picture of like the French, like Scotland, Arrow, France, hmm. and the Aberdeen supporters. Like he was transferring. Like they <laughs> thought he was getting transferred to like PSG or like something like uh. that. No. <laughs> He's just going That's to funny. Disneyland in France with his kids. That's all he's doing That's for funny. holiday. And then he's going to be back with Aberdeen. But yeah, there was a bit of a freak out moment for the Aberdeen supporters that they were losing Christian Ramirez. Um, although there has been a lot of rumors lately that MLS clubs are interested. Um, there are quite a few MLS clubs who need a striker. Unfortunately, Minnesota United does not fall in that category anymore. But um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see this summer if... Uh, if the Minnesota United legend makes a return to MLS and we get to at least go one on, you know, go mano a mano with him. And maybe he gets, gets to make a return to Allianz field. He's never, I guess I should say return. He's never played in Allianz field, right? Which seems a bit, you know, from a Minnesota United fans perspective, a little bit sacrilegious that one of their former guys hasn't the chance to play there. But anyways, I digress just two notes. I wanted to end on there. Um, I said it at the beginning, but if you haven't checked us out at soldiersoccer.com, please do. Um, John Marthaler wrote a really good article on what Minnesota United 2 and Manu FC 2 means for the fans and the club in terms of looking into the future. So go check that out. Obviously, we mentioned Dom's recap of the Minneapolis City-Des Moines Open Cup match. Um, you won't find that kind of content, that lower league coverage and content anywhere else except SodaSoccer.com. And there will be more of that coming this summer as well. I'm very, very excited for that particular portion of the website. I love the Minnesota United coverage. I do. But, you know, uh, uh, a gamer, uh, a recap uh, with quotes and, and stuff like treating lower league soccer the same way we treat professional soccer from a media standpoint right. is something I have. I have. That's the reason this podcast started to be able to sort of execute that from a website level and from a, a coverage level and a written coverage level is really, really awesome. But it's only going to keep going, guys, if you support and check out the work we're doing. So sodasoccer.com, if you want to directly contribute and help us out and support us and get some cool early access and bonus content while you're at it, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash sodasoccer. It's going to be a fun, busy summer, Dom, um, but, you know, with Minnesota United and the lower league teams, but uh, we're about a month away from that sort of revving up, and I cannot be more excited. Yeah, I, I'm really excited for for the NPSL and, and now the USL League 2 and, and UPSL also to, to all be back. It'll be the first time in a very long time that I'm um, watching the those leagues as a sort of truly neutral party because uh, I'm not involved with Duluth FC anymore. And uh, that's an experience that I frankly don't really know anything about. So I look forward to that. Uh, but... Um, but yeah, it's exciting to, have to, you know, obviously we saw Minneapolis City play the other day, which kind of helps make it all feel very real. It's great to know everyone's coming back. Um, looking forward to seeing the, the Twin Stars return yeah. uh, and, and seeing how City does, obviously, in USL League 2. A lot of good stories in the UPSL up here as well. And uh, that's, that's definitely uh, a big part of the site that hasn't shown it so fully yet because there isn't as much happening yet but but once mm -hmm. once the games start coming once the rosters are all forming uh we'll definitely have a lot more of that because that's that's how i really fell in love with soccer in this state was was through the the, the years in the trenches of the mpsl that i spent and uh and i look forward to you know spreading that 
that to more people to all our readers so yeah everyone please please keep keep an eye on the sites there's going to be more of that and of course more minnesota united and more of all other kinds of things uh coming your way very very cool make sure you subscribe to the podcast too so that way you get all of our episodes where we talk about not only minnesota united but all things minnesota soccer here on 10k speaking of 10k that'll do it for this week's episode thank you guys for joining us we will be back next friday same time same place um until then have a great weekend guys go to the usa and uh, we'll see you soon